episode 79 of Russell Folks, the podcast. My name is Thomas Green. You can find me on Twitter at NotThatTomGreen. This week I'm joined by one of my best friends in the entire world, Matt Ryan, to promote 2KW Pro's The Next Step event coming up January 17th. In a second, you'll get to hear Matt tell you all about the entire card. But for right now, let me talk to you about whatever the heck I want because I'm the one in the relationship with the recording equipment. First off, if you've not done so already, please subscribe on iTunes. Write us five stars, write a short review. We all go on iTunes, we have parties behind your back. That's a reason to go on iTunes. Subscribe, rate five stars, write a short review. Also, if you have any inquiries of any kind, email me, not that Tom Green at gmail.com. I do writing things. I would be more than willing to call your professional wrestling event, do commentary for you. If you are a promoter, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, I'm willing to talk all of all about all these things with you, the other person in this conversation who nobody can hear, because this is my recording equipment. And really, that's all I have to say this week. Hey, Matt Ryan, tell me a bit about 2KW's The Next Step. 2KW Pro returns to take its next step Saturday night, January 17th in the Bronx, New York. Doro's Extreme Fitness at 1123 Close Avenue will be the place for an amazing eight-match card featuring the rematch five months in the making as the real effing deal Mike Drastic goes against the man who betrayed him, the absolute Chris Cage. Two monsters will meet as a walking riot rage looks to defeat the cold-hearted player, Danny DeMonto. Two standouts will have a single showdown as Alex Mason makes his 2KW Pro debut against the cornerstone of Matthew Ryan Shapiro's firm, The Road, Anthony Gangone. In the Broken Star Apparel Showcase, the high-spot heroes go up against the Liberty City Dynasty. Tickets are now available on our website, 2KWPro.com. 2KW Pro takes its next step. Saturday night, January 17th, at Doro's Extreme Fitness, 1123, Close Acme in the Bronx, New York. Bell time, 8 p.m., doors open at 7 p.m. Event sponsored by the Nerdport Network, 2KW Pro. Take the next step. Matt Ryan. Hey Tom. How's it going? It, it's cold. It's cold. It, oh my god, is it fuck? How cold is it there? It's just it, it I my beard was freezing when I was walking home today. My beard froze. That's not oh, something that's... when it's not snowing or raining, that should not be something that happens. Would you like to hear a dumb story about thirteen year old Tom that relates to that? If it's embarrassing, obviously. Uh yeah, absolutely. So I like used to have really long hair. And I used to shower like 10 minutes before school, and I lived about I lived about a five-minute walk away from my middle school. And for about a year, I never put two and two together that uh, going outside with wet hair would do bad things to it, like freeze it. So I would walk to school often with frozen hair. Yeah, that, that's basically me from the age of 14 to about 20. When I had my long hair, if you go to my Twitter right now, you will see a photo of me and my good friend, Dr. Marvin Williams, when we were doing our radio show together from 2009. You will see me about 40 pounds heavier than I am now. Yes, I, I highly recommend everyone go look at that picture. It's, it's something. 
that I'm speaking as someone who has many pictures that are very similar levels of something. Let's just say, um, someday I will post my my graduation picture, uh, where it I wearing like pajamas underneath uh, my robe. Oh man, my 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 high school photo log. It's just a bunch of sh- bad idea. I have not had a good hairstyle until I would say 22. And even then, when I figured out, oh, you should really try to figure out ways to make yourself look like a human being. Uh, I really didn't get until I was like 25. When I was like 24, and my lovely girlfriend said, I was like, grow your hair out, it, gel it back, you'll look more professional, you'll look older, you'll look like a person. And I was like, yes, that makes total sense. And I started doing it because, well, I look better with longish, longer hair than I've had, gelling it back and looking like a professional person instead of having that weird crop cup head, haircut and no beard where I look like a 15-year-old. Uh, I had mutton chops for a while in my freshman year of college, and it was not, it was not a good, good idea. It, it, if you're out there right now and you're not in a Skinnered cover band – or just living south of Baltimore and east of uh, Arizona, I would not suggest mutton chops as an option for you. If you're a cosplay enthusiast, someone who does Civil War reenactments, or Lemmy. If you're Lemmy from Motorhead, then it's fine. God bless you. I love your work. I'd like to get drunk with you sometime. But that's just, it's not a good look, Tom. It's not a good look. I wouldn't suggest you do that. No, I physically can't. I, I can't grow facial hair. I have about a week's worth of growth on my face right now. I you can't notice. Like that, there, you just you can't. Like if I get really close to the mirror, it's like oh, there's a little bit. Like uh, and I was kind of proud of it. Like over Christmas break, I wasn't working that much because a weather and b holidays being all awkwardly placed. My my place of employment decided to just take like you know, half the week off instead of going, you know, middle of the week and then come back Friday. Uh, so I just grew up my, I just didn't shave for a couple weeks because I don't care about like family stuff and how I appear there. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I'm proud of this little beard I'm growing. And I go to my wife, Alex, and she's like, what are you talking about? And instantly my balls like shrink to the size of nothing and my manliness card. It's a card. I, I, I always people always bring it up as a card. Apparently, we have a card, a membership. I, I thought it was more of just like some sort of like a like some decoder ring that we get when we turn eighteen. I just how we define manliness is so subjective, and especially being in the wrestling business, being a man or whatever the hell it's supposed to be. It's it's so subjective. It's so annoying, and. I can do a lot of manly things, I guess, but I also, I don't know. I, I I don't know what being a man's supposed to be. I pay my bills. I don't hit my girlfriend. I can read. I pay my taxes. Um, I don't set people on fire, uh, but I'm not good at chopping wood, nor am I making my own cuts of meat. I, I am not good at curing my own meat, so I don't think that's... <laughs> I'm not think, uh, am I a man? I, I'm a man, You're right? More of a man than I am. I, I want to be a man. Uh, I just cri- want to be a man. Dude, for Christmas this year, I got a Swiss Army knife from my in-laws. Uh, it, my wife has been using it because that's I have. A, that's no, a I, very, very functional and pointed gift. 
Like, if you get something like that, that is either a sign of you need to grow up and become a man, or you are already a man, and that is all you need to kill elk. A Swiss Army knife is a very... It's one thing or the other. There's no real gray area there. Yeah, it it was definitely a, hey, dude, it's weird that you're, like, 27 and you can't, like, lift heavy things and set campfires. Because, uh... Because they're, they're very, I don't want to say woodsy folk, because that, that's the wrong word, word, but they, like, live out on a farm, and they they do all these things with cars, and, yeah, and I can't do any of that. And I, I kind of sound like I'm hanging out in the basement of a comic book store all the time, but the fact I couldn't tell you one plot of one book ever. I owned some Archies at one point. That was, that was a cool thing I did when I was, like, 12, and, yeah. That's that's my life in a nutshell, in a pea pod, in a, another small thing. Uh, speaking of men, uh, let's get into this first video. You can all at home, if you want to check this out, youtube.com slash notthattomgreen. The whole playlist for this week's episode is up. Uh, the man among men in the, in the stereotypical sense, King Kong Bundy, when he left WWE in 1987-88, he got a really lucrative deal with Vindex Computers as their spokesperson because why not? He, he's a 400-pound wrestler. He's going to sell computers. Why did he leave the WWF again? Uh, his, I believe it was because he was upset over his Mania 3 payoff. A lot of guys were because you know, they didn't realize that you know Hulk and Andre were the ones who drew the house, brother. Yeah, there were there were two, that was a two match card. If anything, I I really don't think the Sky Low Low King Kong Bundy match. Uh, would have been the main draw of that show. You can make an argument for Steamboat Savage, and you can make somewhat of an argument for Piper and Adrian Adonis, but outside of that, there's no... Like Aretha Franklin drew more people to that show than King Kong Bundy. Absolutely. Um, My funniest WrestleMania 3 anecdote I've heard is someone asked Jim Duggan once, uh, how was it, what was it like being in front of 93,000 people, quote-unquote? I put the quotes around the attendance number for obvious reasons. But around a big crowd. And he replies, I wasn't wearing my glasses, I couldn't tell you. God bless Jim Duggan. National treasure. National it, treasure, that man. Think about that. That's the one time you'll be in front of a crowd that big. And you're like, eh, I'm, go- I'm going out blind. Who needs to, who needs to live this moment? Uh, but yeah, J- uh, King Kong Bundy was a spokesperson for Vindex Computers, and he did a commercial to point out that, hey, wrestlers are stupid, and it should take them really long times to figure out computers. So if you're watching along at home, press play mm. now. Well, this is sold out the Olympic Theater, uh, home of uh, the Guerreros, Judo Jean LaBelle, and a computer versus King Kong Bundy. He's sitting down. He is sitting down. Computer. I'm sorry, this clock here, a little skewed. Yeah. It's 12 minutes in, 13, 14, 15. In just 23 minutes, he's entered the world of computers. He's entered the world of computers. That just it just reminds me of the world of tomorrow. That's basically what it is. Everything involving computers from I would say 1980 until maybe last Tuesday has been. It's all future. It's like the Jetsons. Everybody wants it to be like the Jetsons, or this is like this one thing only takes 55 minutes, and then five minutes, and then going on and on and on. And to, we get it. It's a computer. It's supposed to be fast. You're supposed to do things quickly. It's got all these array of things. But let's see what happens when a guy with no eyebrows tries to do it. 
Let's okay. let's prove how fast it is by getting this guy who's from Atlantic City, New Jersey, to do this. Just, who who comes up with these marketing ideas to get the most random ra- like that is the most random person I think you can get from the WWF at that time. He main evented WrestleMania 2, but outside of that, what did King Kong Bundy really do in the World Wrestling Federation to merit a, I would assume, five- to six-figure deal with Vendex Computers to sell their computers? Oh, yeah, that was his job for at least two years. That, that was, was his, his job. That was his yeah. job. Yeah, like, there. if you Google King Kong Bundy Vendex Computers, uh, like, once you, I think there's one thing on the first page, then you get, like, six or seven pages deep. And you find all these stories of him doing like corporate events for them. Was he like somebody's uncle? I and see, here's the thing: is Bundy again? You bring up he really didn't have a lot of success outside of the Hogan thing. Yet yeah, he booked a bunch of acting gigs. Obviously, the Married with Children one. Yeah, but I remember he did. He booked a few sitcoms other than Married with Children just because he is 400 pounds. I, I figured that was the that was the thing. Oh, we need a really fat wrestler. Who can we get? You're a fat wrestler. Come along. Like, uh, I remember around this time also there was an old L.A. wrestler named Jack Armstrong who nobody had ever heard of outside of L.A., but he booked, like, every TV show because he looked like a wrestler. It's it's absurd. It is absurd to me that, like, Jerry Blackwell could have done that job. Like... You could have got George the Animal Steel, someone with a lot more name recognition and notoriety than than him to do that. And uh, it would have been the same thing. It would have been the same exact thing. You could have got Lou Albano to do it. I, I don't see the marketability aside from the fact that he's nicknamed the walking condominium. Like if I'm Donald Trump and I'm trying to sell the Trump Plaza or Trump Towers as a condo option, yeah, I'm using King Kong Bundy. But to sell computers, I'm not really looking to use King Kong Bundy. Even though he's 400 pounds and looks scary, like, do I want that face associated with my product? Yeah, also, I haven't read them, but if you Google King Kong Bundy Vindex Computers and you, like, go to the image search, there you there are, like, a bunch of the, the magazine ads they took out. And it's a picture of King Kong Bundy with his arm propped up on the chair beside him, like, smiling like he's Jack Hanna doing his magazines. And he, he's sitting next to the computer and you have, like, this wall of text that's apparently a quote from him about, like, how amazing these computers are. And how how great computers are for the future and this, this, and that. It's, yeah. That that, that was the 80s in a nutshell. Was, oh, wrestler big. That guy big. That guy wrestler. And wrestlers can sell anything because Hulk Hogan. You know, the Four Horsemen had vitamins. They they did four horsemen did have vitamins. Um, the, uh, the 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 there's just so many things, so many things in the 80s that you cannot explain to people. Wrestling in the 1980s exists in its own bubble in the same way every era of wrestling lives in its own bubble. Because if you try to explain what happened in the 80s or the 90s or even this decade or the decade before to someone before or after that generation of wrestling, it's like you're speaking Greek. To them, it's a language that you can you understand that they're speaking Greek, but you don't know what the words are and you don't know what the context is. All you know is that they're speaking this language. Outside of that, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, it's the '80s were the weirdest time for pop culture in general, but especially wrestling. Like, but it's the most fun to look back at. Too. Like, who's gonna look back? I don't want to be like negative Nancy. Oh, wrestling. 
but not even in terms of quality, but who's going to look back at wrestling in 2005 or six? Be like, oh man, that's that nostalgia, you know? Uh, Luther Reigns. I loved that guy. That's, that's... Or it's even that's like 93, the, 94. Okay. You get people that are like, oh man, I grew up on, you know, Dave Sullivan. Or... Well, the, well, our generation sadly did grow up on Dave Sullivan in that time where he had a pet rabbit and DDP had him eat and served the rabbit when he went out on a date with Kimberly. I don't, I, I hate the fact that I remember that storyline so yeah. vividly. Do, because do you first... remember who the, the person is who served the rabbit? That I do not know. It was a guy in a bunny suit, and it oh, was yeah, a pre-contract was. Disco Inferno. <laughs> oh, he was man. DDP's buddy working indies, and DDP's like, hey, you want 300 bucks? Just do this thing. Yeah, sure. And then he like got a tryout a month later and became the man we all know and love to this day, currently working, I believe, as a nightclub bodyguard. Good for him. Or he, uh, same thing for the man that's playing the bunny in WWE now. I'm just guessing that it's, it's just someone rant. I, I, I refuse to believe that that is an actual wrestler. I just, ref- I just want to think that is a crazed drug addict who they hired to dress up in a bunny suit, and he just follows them from town to town, and they've just kind of accepted it at this point, and they've brought him into the act. Well, I'm watching Kurt Angle wrestle on TNA right now, so your theory might be a little off. Oh well, but don't. So, I, by the way, speaking, fun segue I'm going to do now. The, this TNA show on my TV right now is in New York. And speaking of New York, you will be involved with a sh- in a show with a show in New York, January the 17th. 2K Pro, blah, 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 new day with the first name with a new tongue. 2KW Pro, they take the next step. You're taking the next step with them. Yes, I am. Uh, I, I got to watch most of the first show. I still horrible friend here. I have still not watched the main event, uh, but I've watched most. You're of the missing show. out. That is, it, I will put that main up main event against a lot of different things in the New York indie scene uh, from the past year. I'll put that whole show up. Uh, are we on the level of a Ring of Honor or a PWG? No, we're. But for New York City, I would put us up against. Every single independent promotion in New York City. There are there is a clear upper echelon in the New York metropolitan area when it comes to independent pro wrestling. You've got House of Glory, where they have run a great operation. The guys that run that office there have put together a strong following. They drew 500 fans at their last show. And they've had AJ Styles and Ricochet, and they've got a lot of great young talent uh, like Anthony Gangone. They have the High Spot Heroes. Uh, Smiley and Mark Quinn, you've got a lot of variety in that company, and it's an untapped resource that's going to keep growing and growing and growing, and I uh, have a good relationship with some of the people there, uh, some of the talent there, and they will be there on January 17th, the High Spot Heroes and Anthony Gangone will be there, but there is a lack of growth in a lot of the New York indie scene. And we're looking to provide that. We're looking to take that next step on the 17th. And it's not for any bravado, any bullshit. Like, it's not hyperbole. We're trying to take the next step with this company. And we're, we're trying to do a lot of different things. We're trying to put together a great product that translates not only to the New York City fan, but to other people, other fans, people like you, people like Mikey King, the guys from Team Best Dude, or just random people, just... Uh, we've gotten over a thousand views on YouTube and for a company that will just put their show out there and say, fuck it, we're going to put this show out there. 
We're going to let the audience see who we are once and all and put together the best product possible. And I feel we hit a home run with that first show. I will say the promos on that show, and I'm not even counting myself, but the production value on those shows, the pre-produced promos we did on that show, I am very proud of it as a producer and director. That was my first wrestling show where I directed the the pre-packaged promos, the editing, the commentary, and I will put my guys, Christopher Scythebrace, Ian Brandon and Lewis, and we'll go toe-to-toe with them. And I'm very proud of my company. Well, not just my company, but we have a lot of great people. AJ Orsini and our other partner who don't like Moted. He, he's, a, he's a guy that wears a mask, and he just kind of likes to take photos and book wrestling shows. He's a rare breed in pro wrestling. He just likes booking. And doesn't care about the other ancillary stuff. And that's why I love working with him. He's also just so easy to work with. He's not an asshole, which is a, a rarity in pro I wrestling. I was going to say, I, my jaw dropped when I heard you say someone in wrestling wasn't an asshole. That was crazy. Uh, no, but no, but I, I liked a lot of what I saw in that first show. And like you, like what I liked also about the strategy was, like you said, you put it out for free. I, I In this market right now, there are a lot of independent companies that are... I don't, how do I put this without making people mad? Um, they are overstating their value. Um, it's a lot of people have have very tight wallets right now, and and unproven yeah. products aren't going to necessarily be able to drive people to put down, you know, ten fifteen bucks for an MP4 or a DVD as easily as they were, let's say, even ten years ago. You know, it's it's you you have to yell hey 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 we're over here we're over here we're over here and then you have to have the solid product to bring them in and then eventually hopefully that's that's down the line the goal is let's turn these people into paying customers in some way turn this into a revenue stream you know and that's where i think you guys did a thousand percent right putting out the first show for free in that you were able to, I, I was seeing stuff from, you know, some of these indie companies, they put stuff out and they're the only people you see tweeting or Facebooking about it. But, you know, I'll see like on my yeah. King or, you know, some of my, my pals, like you mentioned, team best dude, team best dude.com uh, tweeting about it or some other people, you know, it got attention. And also what's cool is every day I log into Facebook and I see that your crew has booked like five new podcast appearances. Yeah, that, that is I I have a lot to do with that, and I'm not trying to overstate my... I am a small part of a very, very tight-knit group of people. Every single person who works for 2KW Pro is working for the single solitary goal of selling out Daro's Extreme Fitness when we come back on January 17th and keeping this company going. Because we are... New York City is the land of misfit toys in a lot of ways for a lot of people in indie wrestling, and there are a lot of guys who don't get opportunities. And a lot of guys who don't get the chance to run with the ball in any way, shape, or form. And we've got guys like Mike Drastic and Chris Cage who will be in the main event of that show. A guy like Will Black. All these guys have great potential. And Mike Drastic and Angel Ortiz and EYFBO are the team to look out for in 2015. What they're doing with Team Pazuzu and beyond and all over the East Coast, even in House of Glory, JCW, they are one of the best tag teams in the world right now. 
I would I would say more companies need to give them a chance. But to give Mike Drastic and Angel Ortiz a singles run, to put Chris Cage in position, to be a main event player, to put guys like Will Black, who have not been given opportunities to work in big matches in big places. To do that is what we want to do. It's about developing the next crop of great professional wrestlers and giving them a platform to put them on a bigger stage, put them on a bigger pedestal, and to grow a company. Because there are so many people in independent wrestling who are just can content with running shows they're just content with running shows running every month and not exp- this is a brand this is a company this is a business and if you're not working to build the brand to build the business to build awareness for what you're doing you're not putting asses in the seats you're not getting eyes on your product you're not getting things happening and that is the problem with a lot of independent professional wrestling. They'll, they'll try to pop a crowd with bringing in ex-WWE guys or Legends of the Ring. And like, we don't have the money for that. We're a hand-to-mouth fucking company. And we're a company that will work our asses off to get sponsors. And we're so thankful for every single person who donates a dollar to this company, whether as a sponsor, whether as a person that's just coming to buy a ticket to the show. I've had people saying, I will donate money to the company, to the patron that we're running right now. We are running a patron to keep this company going because it's not about ego. It's not about the ego of running a show. It's about the opportunity to keep wrestling in New York City going and growing and making our brand one of the most definitive brands on the East Coast. And what I also love, by the way, is the passion in your voice. And knowing you as long as I have, as well as I have, I can tell when something is the real deal for you. When you when you get that passion going and we get that bravado and that testosterone running, we got we were talking about you know real men earlier and that's why that's that testosterone flowing through your veins, and that makes me excited. For, yeah, for man. Uh, th- this pro- this company is has been the keystone to like a a big career renaissance for me because it has opened doors to new opportunities. There's a lot of stuff going on. Even in the forefront, uh, me and Stephanie Sotilli, my girlfriend and prior guest on the program and various other programs, uh, we're starting two new podcasts together. Yes, which I was going to ask about towards the end, but go ahead. Okay. No, 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 but we're starting those and we'll give a bigger plug later since that's where that's going to go. But... To work on that with Steph and to put our creative energy together and to build – I'm about building things. I'm a guy who likes developing and creating and making stuff. I am sick and tired of sitting on the sidelines and talking about stuff. I've done that for years. I've been in broadcasting since I was 18 and I've talked about and analyzed stuff and I still do that on my football podcast. But to get my hands dirty and to build things and to understand products and understand markets, understand an audience – it's thrilling. It, it It's the boring minutia of running a business, but when I get to talk to venture capitalists and investors and other kinds of companies and trying to integrate it with what we're doing, there's no bigger thrill because that's not a lot of things other wrestling companies are doing. And I'm lucky to have the access to some of those people. I'm lucky to be able to be friends with venture capitalists or be – friendly with people who know about business and investing and the law because then I can grow my business and grow what I'm doing with my my partners, my friends, my loved ones. It's about taking the chance in trying to do pro wrestling the way a pro wrestling should be. And it's 
a damn shame where there's not enough companies out there to even work together or even try to create comp- friendly competition instead of trying to run shows against each other or you know talk shit about each other on the internet that's not it's not what we're trying to do and that's not what I want to do that's not good business and you talk shit about someone now 6 months later you may want to do business with them so you want to play the game and you want to play it as smart as you can to understand what the fuck is going on. Yeah, you. I have no idea, and I'm sure you have ten more, ten times more stories than I do, um, of people in wrestling who have gone on sm- with smear campaigns on people. Oh, the, whether it be privately or on Twitter or you know at shows or whatever, and then six to nine months later, they're they're in the same you know groups, they're in the same locker rooms, or you just see them kissing each other's butts. Yeah, and it's, it's like it's not- there's all sorts of insincerity flying all over the place. <laughs> and what I also love is, like you said, no negativity in what you said, not an ounce of it. You you weren't you don't need to tear people down to build your build your brand up to build 2KW up because you believe in it. No, we'll come right out and say if something is good, we, we'll put it over. We'll we'll talk. I don't mean to use wrestling parlance, but we'll we'll promote it. We're promoting the fact that guys on our show are from other companies because those other companies exist. It's not like these guys have fallen from a spaceship and they're just like, oh, we're here to wrestle now. No, they're people from other places and with different parts of themselves. And it allows us to tell the story as a sport and, and, and grow who they are because if they've been to other places and done other things, that makes the audience think that they're well-traveled. It's about educating the audience and letting the audience know it's okay that wrestlers work other places they come we want them to work here because they have done so well in other places that hey bringing them in hey they've done this there this there and this there and they're looking to prove themselves here it makes us look better because they want to work here and it makes them look better because we want them there because of what they've done in other places and also uh, another point is that I I personally am thinking of now is if you're searching out independent wrestling, you're I don't want to use the phrase smart fan because some people on the internet I don't want to insult them but maybe have very unique opinions but nonetheless you are smart to at least that there's a bigger wrestling landscape out there. You know, if you're watching 2KW on YouTube and you aren't one of the loved ones of the people watching it, chances are you know that there are more companies out there than WWE and TNA. And it's insulting to anyone's intelligence to tell them, oh, hey, these independent wrestlers, they just wrestle here. No, 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 that's it. But uh, one big positive I wanted to bring up is I love the building that you guys ran that show in. It's the best and worst building on the planet. Because on camera, it gives you that old-school ambiance of, of the Sportatorium in Dallas and the ECW Arena. But the problem is, it's exactly like the ECW Arena or the Dallas Sportatorium. <laughs> it's the shits. It's in the middle. Of, don't worry. You won't get shot coming to a 2KW Pro show. On the way there, you should be fine. On the way back, you should be fine. I would watch for flying wrestlers while at that show because some of our boys are very good with the flipping and the dipping, things I'm not physically able to do. But it's in the Bronx, which which automatically, in New York City, the if you, if you are in the outer boroughs or if you're in Jersey City, you automatically might as well be in Siberia. And... 
me and Steph have argued about this because I don't think that way. I think it's it's just a 45-minute train ride. It shouldn't be that bad. But some people are in that terminology where it's like uh, that ideology, pardon me, where it's like the fucking warriors to where you are in your zone, I am in my zone, we will not tread between. And it's insane to me, but we drew that son of a bitch out. And it's in the Bronx, it's towards the end of the 6 train, and not a lot of people want to take the 6 train all the way from Manhattan to the Bronx. But it's that, it's on the second floor, so there's stairs, and people don't like stairs. Uh, but aside from that, it's just, it's a dream because all the fans are on top of each other. The ambiance is great when the lighting clicks, and we're having a sight check tomorrow to work on the lighting and do everything out. Yeah, we actually do sight checks for independent professional wrestling shows. Weird, isn't it? Um, but we're doing all that to make it look good on camera because we know that people want to watch physic- the visually aesthetic wrestling. You can't just have a single hard cam, your two buddies on commentary, herp and derp, get trying to get themselves over and talk about how cool it was that their friends are here or that that guy's a dick. Commentary on independent professional wrestling shows gives me agita. It gives me serious agita to the point where I cannot watch most indie wrestling, and except for the bigger companies when I have the ability to. But it's not that hard, guys, to talk about what's going on in the ring and treat. Because there are so many people on the internet who say I can do it better than what they're doing on WWE. Because I'm an I can I watch the product. I know about it. I know more than Michael Cole. If I sat you in a chair at any wrestling show on the planet, gave you all the notes, gave you all the information, what would your inclination be? Would you call the match or would you act like you're watching it with your buddies on TV? That separates the good commentators from the people sitting in the front row. And that's a big problem in professional wrestling commentary and a big problem in professional wrestling in general. Too many people want to act like they're in the front row than they're behind the curtain or in front of the guardrail. That's that's independent wrestling in a nutshell, for the most part. And I and I hate to be this pious holier than thou guy because I'm a I, I'll go to shows and I'll be a jerk too, but I'll pay my ticket and I'll do what I'm doing. But if I'm at a show and I am hired to work, that that's my job. Like I'm not gonna shit on what the job's supposed to be. It, it's professional wrestling, and that term gets bandied about like it's a bad thing. And it's it's annoying. It's annoying. I will say I think Derp is a highly underrated commentator. Yeah, he um, he's like he's like Roddy Piper during the Georgia Championship Wrestling days. Yeah, he 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 doesn't get enough credit for the amount of emotion that he shows. Like between the big bout between Spike and Blaze at Joe's Championship Wrestling, at- and the sad and the sad part of it is that there's probably. A guy out there, a commentary team, Herp and Derp. If you look through independent wrestling, that show happened. Or and it's on very, Smart Mark. At the very least, you like can buy it for $15. Team called Herp and Derp. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, I, and also I, I loved your, uh, the, the promotional claims. 2KW Pro, there's, a, there's some stairs, but at least you won't die. I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, to, to laugh at that, but it'd be, but it's a great building when you're there. The ambiance is great. It's going to be better than the last time. If you paid your $10, 
to to divided we stand and you had fun but you thought we were missing some things we're we're fixing those things up we're going to have a lot of we're going to have a lot of partners we're working on actually uh a commissioned artist to do limited prints his name is Earl Tompkins that's E R L E T O P T O M P K I N S uh he has amazing pop art of uh, great moments in professional wrestling history and we're working to have him do first-run limited print art of our guys. And we have a great deal with Broken Star Apparel, who are sponsoring one of our matches. We have a great relationship with several other podcasts, uh, like TNF or the Nerdport Network uh, on Blog Talk Radio. And we're just trying to be a, a, a full evening of... From when you enter the building to you exit the building, you are entertained, you are informed, you are welcomed, you spent your $10 wisely. It's not, it's a wrestling show. I'm not going to say it's a sports entertainment experience, unlike any other, because I'm not that guy, and it's not that company. It's a pro wrestling show. Pro wrestlers will be pro wrestling at this pro wrestling show. But you will have other stuff there that will make the time between matches or the time before and after the show that much more inclusive and entertaining and you won't just be sitting sitting around twiddling your thumbs for 45 minutes when you enter the building and that's that to me shows the understanding because at the end of the day it's not just about setting up a ring and putting up a rope maybe even not a rope just some chairs um and uh, maybe a, a curtain maybe not the new york state that? athletic commission i don't mean to cut you off but the new york state athletic commission makes you need to do these things. It makes you, it forces you to be better by the law of the state. If we were running in another state that did not have an athletic commission as strict as the New York State Athletic Commission, we would have a lot more room to do different things and spend our money a little differently, but we don't, so we can't. Uh, Um, Whereas I'm out here in Indiana where you could get tetanus going to most of these shows. So, that's just from the audience. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I once went to a show where the guardrail was was a bunch of broken like cattle fences. That's that's not that's not healthy at, at all. In a barn, yep. And they were selling like casserole at the gimmick table. Was it good casserole? I didn't touch it. The, the there was a bunch of ladies baking it wearing those no fear shirts, and their kids were running around with dirty hands. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to do this. And also, it's one of those places where my phone's GPS stopped working about halfway there. Yeah, that's not good. That's yeah. not good. That's not good. But, <sighs> uh, but yeah, no, 2AW Pro, go, go check that out, people. Uh, if you can't be in New York, is this one going to be on YouTube as well, or has that been decided? Um, we, we have not decided yet. We are leaning towards an MP4 option. Uh, I am, uh, we are exploring all those options. I'm actually bringing it up tomorrow when I speak to some of the other people involved with the company, but uh, we're looking to sell it, not for a ridiculous amount of money, but hoping to uh, produce it into a digital product that people can buy and maybe DVDs, since that's still a part of the business model in professional wrestling. People still buy DVDs. Um, But we're looking to do a, a paid model as of now. And that, that's where can people find that paid mod, the, the DVDs, if you will? Uh, well, 
it would be on 2kwpro.com as of now. Hopefully we can uh, figure something out, and uh, I'm going to be hopefully in discussion with some people to lead me in the right place to uh, put them up and distribute the product. But we're not sure on that yet. There's a there's a lot of things that go behind that go into putting a wrestling show on, and uh, distribution is one of the bigger ones. But it's about finding the right thing for us, and if we can do independent on our own, or if we want to do the smart mark high spots model, where we send our stuff out, and hopefully it grows from there, or some sort of mix of the two. We just want the most amount of people to watch this show as possible if our potential audience is 6,000 people we want to get all 6,000 if it's men 18 to 35 who live on fifth avenue in manhattan we're going to be all along fifth avenue trying to get those people to go to the show and that's is why i know you will be a success in life matt it's because you know what the fuck you have your priorities and fucking check you're not one of these promoters it's like oh man we're gonna take over the world we're going to – you're admitting, hey, we don't know what the target audience is yet, but we're working towards it. It's, it's all about it's, – it's marketing and advertising, and it's something that I used to not be a big fan of. And if you look up the Bill Hicks bit, that used to be in line with my, my opinions on marketing and advertising. But if you're running a business and you want to get people to watch what you're doing and you want people to pay for what you're doing, you need to market and advertise and you need to find that target audience. Most people who watch wrestling are 18 to 25, so we want them to watch what we're doing. That's always good when, when people watch wrestling, especially wrestling that you're wanting them to watch and buy. Uh, that's always that's a, that's a good thing. It's, it's a win-win. Yeah. Uh, speaking of promoting wrestling, uh, let's jump back into the YouTube clips. Let's, let's watch this next one. Um, oh, no. you, you warned me ahead of time you're going to be doing a lot of screaming and yelling in the next, next couple of minutes. So it's, just gonna, it's just embarrassing. This is just embarrassing what uh, this is. Yes. So the, the, this, this gentleman involved, uh, much like you, has done work in the radio industry. And much like you, is apparently in this clip trying to promote a wrestling match. And that's literally where the comparison's at. I am, of course, referring to Man Cal Mueller, the, the Chicago shock jock, walking around probably like this. Uh, it's, I... I all jackasses I kind of do the same accent for. Uh, but long story short, in the dying days of WCW, Jimmy Hart was the one person trying to actually put butts in seats. He was going around the country to every town that WCW would go to and and make sure that their morning DJs were A, trained to take, to take a bump, and B, were willing to wrestle him in the dark match of the show in exchange for free publicity. Smart idea. Except for the fact that since Man Cow apparently had somewhat of a national following for a bit, they decided, hey, we're going to put the Man Cow one on national TV. It eventually went to pay per view. They did it Spring Stampede 2000. Man Cow had yes, a pay per view match. And man, it was bad. Uh, but no, the air in this clip, uh, judging by the shirt that Mark Madden's wearing, I'm assuming this is from a Spring Break Nitro. Uh, but no, this is a recap of. The infamous man cow Jimmy Hart angle to set up a match at Spring Stampede 2000. If you're watching along at home, press play now. 
Pretty Shivani with all the hand movements. Mm. And that hair piping up on the on the headphones. Oh, oh hey, it's it's that guy that, that that was famous at one point, and he's at a Tower Records. Oh, man. Of course, you refer to Jimmy Hart or the other guy that just has a Hulkamania shirt on yeah, for no reason. That guy with the bowler hat. And then he gives him a noogie. And, and he, I'm so mad at you, I'm going to tickle you. I'm going to tickle you, man cow. This man wrestled with Andy Kaufman. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Hart spent years in Memphis. And, and, and now he's working against man cow. See, that, that is kind of a Memphis. No, no, but, 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 but... I was referring more no, to those bad, bad punches. punches were, I have better punches than man cow, and that's not saying much. Uh, my stomps are terrible. Uh, but man cow... If you if you watch if you listen to radio at any point uh, in the mid to late nineties into the early two thousands, there was this thing called a shock jock, and Howard Stern what Howard Stern and Don Imus were the the uh, genesis as if it if that's the right word I don't know I don't read the Bible uh, the genesis of the shock jock, and then along came Ron and Ron later Ron and Fez, and then the Opie and Anthony show. And Man Cow was one of the derritists that fell off the uh, shock jock tree. It's one of the uh, bad apples that fell off. And he was not good. If you want to argue that Man Cow was talented, I will yell at you for 45 minutes and tell you everything that's wrong with you. He is, a, he is what you would call a hack. He is a... He talked like this. And he had a... He had a you had a guy named Turd, Turd, and they—they they, it was—it was the worst overproduced morning radio, and he was a dick, and he would talk about, oh, I'm gonna be the one that replaced Howard Stern when Howard was jumping from CBS to Sirius Radio. I'm the—I'm gonna be the one that uh, jumps uh, to uh, take Howard's job, and uh, they told me that I was gonna have Howard's job, but they gave it to David Lee Roth, that idiot. But when he gets fired, I'm gonna take that. Job. And, and, and no, he's in like five markets now, or he's syndicated across America to to 45 people. He and Bubba the Love Sponge are the same person, just different weight classes. But they're the same kind of douche. And they are the worst kind of radio. They are the worst kind of people. Uh, Mancow at some point found God and decided to become a conservative radio talk show host, uh, basically because that was the hot gimmick going on at the time. Uh, and he decided to be the next Sean Hannity. And that didn't work. His career is slowly, slowly dying. It's... It's like the Titanic if it was shot in stop motion. And it makes me very, very, very glad to know that things like that don't work anymore. And that the good type of radio is now on podcasting. And it's where people like I live and you live and the Anthony Cumia show and all the other podcasts you listen to on a daily or weekly basis. And people like him are still trying to choke out the last breaths of whatever it is they're trying to do. I have very strong opinions about radio. Oh, there's nothing worse than, and, and not even Man Cow, but like local morning radio in 2015. Like, if at you, least, if you, yeah, at least regionally. I don't know how it is in like actual big markets, but it's, it's a bunch. It's all the same. Yeah, it's either people trying to be Man Cow or people trying to sound like 
like your airhead sister. Hey y'all, it's me, Tammy, and I'm cool. And I listened to that all about that bass song. And we're giving away One Direction tickets. And let me read this fact from Uberfax on Twitter. If you are reading off a script, and you are, uh, if you're uh, taped, if your air checks are taped, if your talk ups are taped, and you are basically, uh, if your tagline is live and local. You should be shot out of a cannon. If you do a phone scam, you should be shot out of a cannon. If you like to use a honky horn unironically, you should be shot out of a cannon. If you do not talk with your real fucking voice, shot out of a cannon. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's local morning radio jitter. At least around here, it's might as well be nineteen ninety five. You still have the same five people doing it that they were then, and it's the only the only thing that's changed is the music they play between the the blah blah, and it is blah blah. It's, it's just a bunch of noise. Hey everybody, wake up! It's, time, it's seven a.m. Let's wake up, everybody! Oh, nobody's awake. Nobody's it's the awake. Giggle Morning Fun Fest with Tammy and Paul. Die, just die. Yeah. But yes, that that's that was a thing. I thought I'd get your blood pressure up because you haven't seemed that mad lately. That's the no, holidays. I'm actually I'm in a I'm in a very good place. Good uh, I'm glad. in my life. I'm glad. I, I sleep. It concerns I me sleep when the night. It concerns me when you have high blood pressure because uh, I don't honestly, want you to explode. Honestly, I have really good blood pressure. According to the New York State Athletic Commission, I usually have some of the best blood pressure on wrestling shows. So I, I've got that line. going for me. That should be your tagline. The reason it, I should get booked. Yeah, if you ever want to to drop the law book thing or you know drop the the gaudy jackets, Matthew Ryan Shapiro, the best blood pressure in all of indie wrestling. And then I, I don't I don't know if that's going to be that good of a. Th- I I think I need the jackets. I I can. I I don't know I don't know about that Tom but I, you can I'm, do like the Iron Sheik thing and have fans come into the ring and like do blood pressure checks like the deal <laughs> like CVS Oh, you're fat you're gonna die soon you need to get up on a hammock and take three weeks off of work you bum get out of here that'd be a great heel thing great heat it'd be as long as Reeser as long as Reeser Bowden in his very blue jacket is introducing me while doing that I'm fine with that uh, see this is why I'm a I come up with things like these, and then we make millions of dollars as we sit here on our thrones made of gold. Yep. I'm throwing diamonds at my servants as we speak. Exactly. I'm not sitting at a kitchen. Ta- I'm not sitting in a kitchen chair, sitting on a snack table. No, 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 no. I'm a. I'm in a golden gilded chair. Well, to to that that potential chair's defense, that hypothetical chair's defense, I've I've eaten at uh, a a cable in that home and those chairs are very comfy for kitchen it's a very chairs. it's a very it's very comfy chairs very comfy yes. table it's yes. all of it's very good yes so I, I wanted to come to the hypothetical situations defense because mm-hmm. it needed defending uh speaking of servants let's get to this final video um if you wanted to skip down to the fuji one because we're already about 50 minutes in so mm. uh but yeah this last video uh, we will be looking at tonight's from Tuesday Night Titans. It's a hidden gem that a bunch of people are finding on the WWE Network now. Um, it's, I believe, episode one of Tuesday Night Titans, to be in, in, in matter-of-factly. 
Uh, Mr. Fuji is a guest with Vince McMahon and Lord Alfred Hayes, and he's showing them some Japanese customs. Oh, Lord. Yes, 1984, the most racially sensitive time in the history of professional wrestling. We have four minutes of Mr. Fuji showing us all that... Let's just watch this. If you're watching along at home, press play now. Is there any particular way to do this? Or just... I have a strange feeling Vince McMahon's been a lot of weekdays at sushi, at sushi bars. Yeah. And he just wanted to do it at work. It just, 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 that, it just did sake bombs and threatened to fist fight Pat Patterson. That, that, that was their Tuesday. That was what they did before writing storylines. It's just... It's weird that they decided in 1984, just like, you know what, we're just going to do SNL. We're going to do a variety show. This is Smothers Brothers with wrestling. And people complain about what's going on with Raw now with all the celebrities and all the sketches and all this stuff. This is going, this was going on in 1984 up until, what, 88? I think 87, And people watch this like mad now. And this is ha- this over has seven thousand views, and it'll have more by the time this a- after this airs. But people watch this on the WWE network. People demanded this be on their WWE network, and they rejoiced when this happened because they want to watch stuff like this. Yet they complain when it happens on Raw now. But in fifteen twenty years, people are going to say, "Oh, remember that great segment where the Muppets were on, and people are bitching at it." Well, to the Muppets credit, I, the Muppets. I, 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 I want them to just buy the WWE. And here we go. Here comes the sexism. Because Mr. Fuji can't be Japanese without hating women. Yeah. Lord Alfred Hayes, by the way, killing me wearing a kimono over his... That is a powder blue dress shirt that you would see at a prom today. He's basically dressed like Lloyd Christmas all the time. And God bless him for doing that. In the first segment of the first episode of Tuesday Night Titans, Vince McMahon calls him either Idi Amin or Pol Pot. He calls... It was Oh, it was well, Idi Amin. I, I remember that distinctly. From this, yes. Mr. Fuji very much it's because Vince wanted to sound smart. Japanese, and I would suspect <laughs> enjoys the worldly man of, of Americans as well, Mr. Fuji. Perhaps the best of both worlds, as it were. I don't know, because I'd say American had Also, Fuji's custom. socks are American killing me. Because they went through all this expense to get a somewhat decent set with a gong and nice robes. And then Fuji's just wearing like $2 socks from Walmart. This is comfy. Wife do everything for yeah. men and get your girl do anything for me. Look out on it. Suck it, suck it, suck it, suck it. Hi, hi, hi. I want you to drink. Drink some more, please. Drink. Where is you drink? Lord Alfred Hayes seems actually really in the costume. Yeah, because he's supposed to be the worldly one. Vince is supposed to be the straight man. And, and now. Oh, he's going to beat that woman. He's going to beat her. He just raised his hand. You make me lose him. Nine, make me lose face to my American guests. You didn't lose These my gangster girls feel sucky on Mr. Fuji. That is not right. That is not right. That is wrong. Because in America, we never do this. It insult me. As a house and honorable guests, I feel very insulted. Poor, I don't know. After I, this, Mr. Fuji committed sepulchre. I will punish you. I will punish you. Oh, 
goodness. Uh, and I also adore how it wasn't like, oh, these guys are the good guy commentators. He's in the treatment of crap. It's like, no, he spilled sake on my friend. Or she spilled sake on my friend. I'm going to kill her. It's insult! Bad insult! Insult! Because it was back when the announcers were just the announcers, and they were peep, and they were not, you know, these baby-faced. Po- oh, okay, that's not necessary. That's a table. That, that's that's a nice table. Someone paid for. You gotta. Re- you can't return that table now. Oh my goodness! And, and just man on the street. Yeah, there was a like half second man on the street clip that I now want to find on YouTube because I could oh, find Lord. it on the network, but we couldn't didn't play it on the podcast. So that's my next yeah. mission. But yeah, that made television in 1984. And they spent lots of money on that. Yep. Because people, rightfully so, will, be, will, will boo a little Japanese man who hits women. Yeah, that, that was the way to heal him up. Yeah. That was the way to heal him up. This guy beats the shit out of everyone he has sex with. And he's foreign, so yeah. you're gonna hate him. That's, that's the worst part, though. Listen, Hulk Hogan maybe has slapped a woman or two, but Mr. Fuji's from Japan. Damn straight. Uh, speaking of Japan... The, the, oh. That jingoism is strong, man. That jingoism is strong. And even Samoans were getting in on it in the nineties. All I yeah. have to do is put Mr. Fuji with them. Uh, but speaking mm. of Japan, a little less racist of a note. Uh, you you got to see Wrestle Kingdom much like most of us did this past weekend. Um, and I wanted to bring that up because this is was this your first full New Japan show? Uh, yes. Um, first time I watched a New Japan show from bell to bell, uh, if you don't count Starcade 95. Yeah. Would I, I mean, Nashville is the most Asian-friendly city in America, but oh. maybe not. Um, but I just wanted to get your thoughts, because I find, I'm finding it interesting getting, like, I, I'm a New Japan enthusiast myself, so mm-hmm. I'm a little biased. Uh, but what I wanted to get your thoughts as someone stepping into the waters for the first time. Also, someone who got to listen to the American commentary, I assume? Yes. Okay, because yes, I, I, I watched it in New Japan World, so I still haven't heard JR and Matt Stryker. I think JR and Matt Stryker did a very fine job explaining the product. I think that there was the chemistry was getting there towards the end. It was just like you're dropping two guys in there, and they're just basically trying to find a and on that, I would give them a solid A- minus for the whole show. And I don't mean to be – I'm not grading Jim Ross or judging Jim Ross by any stretch of the imagination. The man's the gold standard in what I do and what you do in announcing and talking about pro wrestling in a damn fine podcast. Uh, but it was, it was an interesting experience because I'm so used to the WWE style of pay-per-views, the American style where it's – Put together and very clean everything. There's transition points between everything and not just, oh, bang, 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 bang. And it was it was good. I liked all the matches. There was not a bad match on that card. Um, I did not know some of the names on there, but they explained who they are and why it was important and every single aspect of that show that I needed to care about. Um, Nakamura, good lord. That, that, whole, that whole show was very well done and very well worth my money and i would watch it again i would watch those guys again and it's still that cultural hurdle where it's all it's japanese announcing the american announcing does it for me just because i want to know what the stories are i can appreciate a good match as much as anybody 
but the reason why I watch professional wrestling is because of the stories for good or for bad. And you might think I'm a bad wrestling fan for that or just a bad wrestling person for wanting the storylines to be good and explained to me. And I don't care about guys getting kicked in the face. I want to know why they're kicking each other in the face. And from there, just, you know, watching it in that vacuum and watching all the hype videos leading up to the event, I was thoroughly impressed and I enjoyed as, as all the aspects of it. And that American commentary point is very valid, and I, I, I personally don't think you're a bad wrestling fan, because it's the same reason I only watch, like, two Lucha shows a year, yeah. is, be, is because of that. And I think that's going to, if if the show does well enough to where, you know, you can get Jim Ross back to Japan a few times a year, or even, you know, not that you can't find anyone as good as Jim Ross, but getting a couple solid American commentators over there a few times a year mm-hmm. is going to do so much for... New Japan's popularity over here, um, in that, you know, the hardcores, oh yeah, they, they, they're in the stories, they're reading up all the stuff online, but even, like, a hardcore wrestling fan who's not a New Japan hardcore, that's a big hurdle. You yeah. know, you, you, we can watch good wrestling here, you know, and we have American commentary, or English commentary, wow, I sounded like my dad there, and there's good wrestling everywhere. It's just new New Japan. You just you, you need the. I I, I lost my train of thought because that's what I'm doing today. I'm doing lots of that today. But a long spectacular show. And I'm really glad you enjoyed it because I I remember I've pimped New Japan to you before, uh, and and that the commentary is always a big concern when I try to get someone to watch New Japan because yeah it's it throws you off. The yeah, first time. It, it, it's it's like uh, you need that balance. You can't can't watch something for the first time and not ex- have it explained of what's going on. You need you need that translator. You need that narrator to explain what's going on, why it's there, and how it's going. If you didn't have the commentators in football, you may not know what the hell's going on or why it's six points instead of one, and all the other nonsense that goes into pro football and all the other sports if you're coming into it the announcer serves that vital role of explaining this is what's going on this is why and you need it in a language where people understand you or speak it in a way that people understand exactly and it's a super valid point and i think like i said that's going to be the biggest thing is if is if global force or even if new japan wants to finance bringing them over english commentators and doing this themselves next time mm-hmm. just, that that needs to be a thing though at, at the end of the day uh because because i mean i know even the hardcore new japan fan base they have every show up live streaming online for like eight bucks a month and a lot of them a lot of their fan base in america is not getting the service because mm-hmm. the only way to use the website is to use google translate and it's funny let reading some of those match captions or those match titles with the translate, but it's very hard. Like, like for the websites of like Dynamite Kid is listed as Thomas Billington, uh, Alex Shelley is listed as Patrick Martin, uh, Kyle O'Reilly I believe is spelled C Y L U A. So you can't find any of his stuff. It's just it's it's a mess. That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, but it's Japan. But I'm, I am I'm super glad you enjoyed, it, and I'm super glad that like it kind of blew up the internet this week. Because... Yeah, it, it was it was very it was a very good show, and it drew a lot of interest, and it got a lot of people talking about pro wrestling, and I am very happy with that. 
I am very happy when more people talk about wrestling and like wrestling and cannot take a gigantic shit on the business and the sport of pro wrestling for about four hours. There was that nice little four-hour lull where people were happy with pro wrestling. And then Raw started, and then everybody forgot that wrestling's supposed to be fun and interesting and have enjoyment, and then they're like, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to nitpick everything. We're going to take a gigantic shit on what's going on and not give things a chance or let the story play out because why why do that why let stories play out or hey that final angle on raw it made sense and you were supposed to feel bad for a reason it may have been a little rushed or it may a little been miscombobulated but if you look at it objectively instead of subjectively if you look at it from a larger scope if you take a half a step back you will understand what the hell's going on yes and at the end of the day wrestling should be fun and, mm-hmm. and and not necessarily in a way that's like we're always being reminded, oh, right, this is fun, this is fun, this is fun, this is fun. But you just kind of catch yourself at the end of the show. Like, Man, that was fun. It's a lot of yeah. fun. You know, if you if you get if you get just the slight feeling of like a tingling in your like I got tingles at certain points during watching Wrestle Kingdom Nine, and I get that sometimes when I watch wrestling shows. But if you get that feeling inside of you for pro wrestling at any point, you're doing the right thing and you're watching the right right sport this is this is the greatest and worst thing on the planet pro wrestling raven said it in several shooting reviews and it's true uh when pro wrestling is done right there's nothing better on the planet but when wrestling is done poorly it's the worst thing you can possibly watch wrestling is like the hottest yes yet morally cruddiest girlfriend you can have pretty much yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, like, it's, uh, she'll screw you over ten times, but hey, she's really gorgeous. So, mm-hmm. you gotta weigh that. Uh, but I think tingling is a good way to leave it this off. You know, normally we tingle more towards the beginning, and I admit a lot of things about myself when you and I talk on these things. But we, it's good to tingle at the end, for once. Uh, but before we go, Matt, I would like to give you the platform to let the people... I, I, we're recording this, you know, a few days, obviously, before this is released, so I've only heard the teasers of these two new podcasts. This is... Okay, yes. I thought I was insane doing two. You have 22 weeks, which I believe mm-hmm. is wrapping up, because that's what yes, football uh, is. We've got about three or four more episodes. We're in week 19, so we've got three more shows after this week's episode. Um, yeah, we've got the divisional round of the playoffs, the wild card. I mean, the divisional round, the championship round. Uh, actually, no, yeah, four. Yeah, we're we're nearing the end. We're in the divisional round next week. This week, then championship round. We're off for a week. Well, we'll do an episode of the Pro Bowl. That's Royal Rumble weekend for those in pro wrestling, uh, and also uh, the Super Bowl. So. We're getting amped up for the end of our season, and our shows have been uh, better and better every week. I've got some of the best people in talking pro football every single week with names. If you've listened to the program, you know Matt Foster, you know Alex Silverman, but we also added two people this year, uh, Dr. Marvin Williams, who I've been doing radio with for over five years at this point uh, in various places, and Tom Garrett, who uh, is a pro football writer and a humorist. At the axis of ego, I, I he's kind of like he's got the mindset of Mark Twain. He, he just seems like a guy who would have a spindly mustache and wear a four-piece suit all the time. But when he talks football, he can break it down, and we have great conversations. And if you like football, just a, a small amount, you will enjoy uh, the Twenty Two Weeks podcast. Yes, 
Uh, but I was bringing that up because I thought I was insane doing two at once. Uh, in the next month or so, you'll be doing three shows at once. Yep. Um, not just 22 weeks, but also in the course of the next seven days, well, KY will have been they will have debuted yeah. as of this being released. And then mm-hmm. tomorrow, as of this being released, no small talk. Yes. Uh, two new projects at you and Stephanie Satilli, your, your lovely girlfriend and supremely talented comedian, however phrase you want to humor creator. Uh, she's a very funny, very talented person. Yeah. You are a very funny, very talented person. Two of the most talented people in my life. And I believe in you both supremely. And I want to give you the floor to kind of talk about that now. Well, yeah, um, Stephanie Satilli and I, as of uh, this coming Sunday, well, the day this episode drops, oddly enough, due to meeting on this show, we're celebrating our one-year anniversary, and over that one year, we've worked together on several projects, uh, two Matthew Ryan Shapiro uh, vignettes, as it were, the Matthew Ryan Shapiro commercial and the recently released press conference uh, written and directed by the lovely Stephanie Sotilli. I stood which, there. And, which I haven't said anything to you about, but I really liked that, too. I'm glad you liked it. I, I, I want everybody to like it. Go go look up Matthew Ryan Shapiro on YouTube. Uh, she's actually helped with all the promos I've done this year uh, with directing and lighting. She's held the camera in freezing cold weather just because she loves me. But um, I've, I had an idea rattling in my head for a while for uh, a radio, a fake radio show. I did PCW Saturday Night Slam Masters for almost three years. And I liked creating a world within a world. And I wanted to lampoon things that I love and things that I'm interested in. And I had this idea for this guy that's in a small little radio station. And uh, it's in Lejos, Nevada uh, at a station called KY. And Stephanie and I are work collaborating on the writing and direct. Uh, she'll be directing the voice actors. I'll be the main character, Seth Wibley, in the web of Wibley uh, from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. on KY in Lejos, Nevada, just outside of Las Vegas, and it'll be a three to five minutes a week of of just weird people calling into a radio station with this guy with his first big job coming out of college, a guy from the big city going to a small town and basically trying to turn his love of radio into a life and a career, and it slowly drives him insane. Not not based on my life at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> but um, we are on uh, Twitter at KY Radio, and also if you search Facebook for KY Radio, we'll be there on on there as well. We will drop new episodes every every Thursday. Yeah, every Thursday at 11 p.m., our episodes will go up. We're in the process of getting on iTunes, but if you want to get the show, it's kyradio.wordpress.com. That's kyradio, the letter K, the word Y, radio.wordpress.com. And it's a lot of fun to do, man, because it's it's like creating, you know, I'm doing a radio show, and I'm doing creating a radio station. And the other show we're doing, um, Chuck Klosterman, who's a great author, came up with these 50 hypotheticals. And Stephanie used to do these work with her coworker, and we we were trying to think of a podcast to do together. And she came up with this idea like two weeks ago to do a show, and we decided to call it No Small Talk. And every week we're going to get one or two of these questions and we're going to ask the question and have an answer to them and try to figure out 
there's no right answer. It's just what we would do in this situation. And try to figure out, okay, what will we do here? It's not about yes or no answers. It's expounding upon it and trying to have a conversation and basically forcing one another to figure out what the hell they would do in that situation and figure out who these people are, who we are as people, and translate that to the audience and see what they would answer to. Because you can email the show at uh, nosmalltalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at nosmalltalkpod and nosmalltalk on Facebook. And, and we'll answer your questions or we'll read your answers to these questions that we'll be asking every week. We're having two in our first episode, and I have to get started editing that soon. But you can also go to the website, nosmalltalkpodcast.wordpress.com, and hopefully by Monday at noon we will have our first episode up on iTunes. If not, it will definitely be on the RSS feed. And I and to, yeah. to be honest, man, like this is my... No, it's just like this is a time in my life where I I feel so jazzed up creatively and I'm very, very, very excited and ready to take these projects on other projects that I'm working on. And it's fun. It's fun to work with people that get your vision, that love working with you, and you have a goal to do it. I've been doing this since I was 18 years old and I love it now as much as I did when I was 18. And it's very fun to do. And as someone who both respects you creatively and loves you personally, this makes me very happy to hear. And I want every single person who is listening to this to go to go subscribe or go listen or whatever is available when you hear this. Yes. Because I, I, I've listened to both teasers. Um, no small talk. I really enjoy I could listen to you and stuff talk for hours. So <laughs> about anything. So and, and you know, and, you know, as someone who is quiet in conversations at times, I, I have listened to you talk, you guys talk, and the idea of you guys doing that is awesome, and I can't wait to listen to episode one, and KY got me super excited listening to the teaser, like you told me about the idea a while back, I'm like, this is this is really cool, and then I hear it, and I'm like, oh, this is fucking amazing. So... It, it, it is very fun to do that character and also put together the intro for that show, because it if you listen to what the elements are in that intro, they all are parts of who I am in my, you know, evolution as being a radio guy or now a podcaster. I guess I'm a podcaster because I've been doing more podcasting than radio the past three, four years. I think we're all podcasters at this point. Uh, like, yeah. I, I'm setting my mom up with one next week, I think, maybe. Oh, Lord. Yeah. No, she actually asked me. She got an iPhone 5. Last uh, it was the week before Christmas, and like she threw it in front of my face, and she's like, "Watch this!" And she made me watch like an, uh, one this group of Vici, who I guess is like big on the radio right now. She made me watch yeah. like, a full music video, and then she's like, "I want to subscribe to podcasts on iTunes," because she's listened to the Full House one, and uh, yeah, which yeah, that's I've said something. That's gonna there. be fun. That's yeah. gonna be a fun conversation. Yeah, but uh, but yes, again. Everyone, take, check out KY. Check out No Small Talk. Check out mm-hmm. QKW. The next step. Check out everything Matt does. I, 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 at I am Matt Ryan on yes. Twitter. Yes, and I'm MattRyan.com. I, I like money. I will announce your events. I will do public address for your events. I actually just lined up, uh, hopefully, some baseball public address announcing for later this year. So it was, it's, it's a fun time to be creative and speak in front of a microphone because there's so many opportunities 
that are opening up and it, it is a great great time in my life ever since i've turned 25 i've had a lot of good positive things happen in my career and i owe them to a lot of different people and all of you will be getting gift baskets at various points i i look forward to I make sure you have a lot of hot wheels Hot Wheels. Uh, um, I'm sorry. I don't, I, don't, I only have Matchbox. I, I just I'll, I can I'll, I'll settle. I'll settle. All right. What but, about uh, micro machines? Can you settle for micro machines? Uh, yes, but I'll have to do a lot of pretending, a lot of make believe. 